Well, good morning, good morning. We have another week that's gone by and God has blessed and God has kept. And we are in his hands and we praise the Lord for it. And I thank you for joining us once again. I hope someday that I'll be able to meet you if you're ever in the area or if you're close to Akron Alliance Fellowship and you don't have a home church and you're living here in Akron, uh, please stop in and visit us. Uh, Again, I just want to stress to you, we are mainly just a teaching church. No frills and fanciness or anything per se, but the Word of God excites the soul. And um, we want to just be a people who are steadfast in God's Word and allowing the Word of God to minister to us. And um, I pray that during these sessions and these times that we get to spend together, that God may minister to all of us and even unto myself as I speak. Uh, My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would do the speaking and that I would do the listening. So I pray that uh, this time would be a blessing to you. Well, we're going to continue on with a continuous call of God. And in uh, Revelations 18, uh, in verse for there's a little statement that is made and I was asking myself how how so I want to pray and we want to answer that question how because God's continuous call to us is to call us out of the world and out of the things of Babylon out of those things that would somehow hinder us from walking uprightly with the Lord. So let's pray and let's get into the message here. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your loving kindness and thank you for your word that is a light into our path. Thank you for strengthening us, Lord, from day to day. For we who name the name of Christ, we need your strength daily, O God. We need you, O Lord, to order our steps And we need you, O God, to give us hinds feet that we can walk in areas that we've never thought that we would be walking in. And yet, Lord, be on sure ground. We pray, Father, that you would just minister to us even in this hour. And for those who would hear, O God, would you open their hearts and their eyes and would you allow them to hear what you would say. And may they see that, Lord, you are, as the psalmist says, a good God. To taste and see how good you are, how wonderful you are, how magnificent you are. And that, Lord, you are one that we have need of every moment of the day. Minister to us, I pray. Open your word to us and give us understanding and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As I think of the book of Revelation, it is a time of Jacob's trouble. I see a switch that takes place in a sense, and I'm not against theories or those who would say, well, the church is gone. Uh, We're all searching for God's truth. Uh, The church may be gone, but there's still church going on. Uh, There are people who are gathering in the name of Jesus. And the scripture says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst of them. And people are still being saved. And there's only one way to be saved, and that's in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, convicted by the Holy Spirit. And yes, though it is said that the Holy Spirit has been removed, I think the Holy Spirit is... Removed in the sense that he removes his hands from withholding Satan at this present time. Not allowing Satan to have a free hand to doing anything that he wants to do. But in the book of Revelation, yes, his hand is withdrawn. And Satan can begin to do the things that he desired to do. But I still believe that the Holy Spirit is there. Because without God's Spirit, I don't think you can be saved. 
according to Romans 8, that the Spirit of God must be there. And if you have not the Spirit, the Scripture says you're none of His. So I believe that the Holy Spirit is still present, but not in the manner in which He was earlier in what some people would call the church age or during the time before tribulation takes place. And <clears throat> the thing that I'm looking at here in chapter 18 of Revelation is that when Jesus again says to those that are there, come out of her, my people, and he identifies who he is speaking to, his people, my people, my people. He makes this cry to come out from Babylon, come out from the teaching of Babylon, the things of Babylon, the ways of Babylon, the lifestyle of uh, Babylon, with all the idol worship and so forth, the things that would take place and everything that would go against the Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling them out. But he makes a statement here that I find to be profound. And I guess I started wondering, okay, Lord, you made this statement and you don't waste words. Every word that God speaks, we need to take it very seriously. We need to really look at it and sometimes even study it. And he makes this little statement in verse 4. He says, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. And that's what got me thinking, where it says, you will not receive any of her plagues. If the famines and the plagues are taking place, how are we protected, those who name the name of Jesus? How are people of that time protected? And I'm not saying they won't suffer some. I'm not saying they won't go through martyrdom. I'm not saying that they may not know some pains of hunger, but they will not starve to death. Uh, I, I believe somehow God's going to provide because he said they would not suffer the plagues that would be poured out upon those unbelievers. And some would say, boy, it, it don't matter because the church isn't there. Well, there are believers there. There are saints there. There are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that are there. Now, I would like to suggest to you the same God that keeps us today will keep the Christian tomorrow. That he will keep those Christians during the time of tribulation. Yes, we read about the blood. We read about uh, the killing and the things that will take place even among the Christian. But somehow God also still protects his own. I'm not here to try to give a pat answer because I don't have one. I know what God has done in the past, know what God has done in the present, and I believe God who is the same God of our past and our present will be the same God in the future who will keep his people because of the promises that have been made not just only to the church but to the saints of God to those who name the name of Christ that somehow though those plagues will be there they will not have the same effect on the Christian as they have on the believer, if that makes sense. So I'd like for you to turn to First John with me, chapter 4, and either this is true or is not true. And if it's true for the people of the church age, per se, should not it also be true for the saints and the people of God during the tribulation? Based on the very fact we serve a God who keeps his word, 
we serve a God that changes not. And in 4.4, 4, in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 4, he says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, he's telling us something that I don't think sometimes we take a good moment to, to really think about it and try to understand it. But Satan's in this world. Satan's running his programs even now. Yes, the Holy Spirit is holding him back. But yet, these things slip through at times. And they do affect the Christian life. They do affect believers. And God has said to us, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater. More power is in us than that which is in the world. And that whatever, with Jesus Christ being greater in us, that's not saying we're not going to go through some horrible things. But yet, because we named the name of Christ, the same effect will not be known to the Christian as it will be known to the unbeliever. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. That it will not affect us because we are not a people without hope. And I believe those saints will know that, that they are not a people without hope. And the same promise that that has been given to us, that God will never leave us nor forsake us, is also the word of God to them, that they will not be forsaken, nor will they be forgotten. And yes, greater is he, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is in them, and the Holy Spirit that is in them, than the God of this world. Satan, the false prophet, that image, that greater is God in them than he that is in this world. Now, would you follow me through with some verses? Because I think they also apply at this time also. And we're going to be read in Revelations for a little bit. Uh, like for you turn to Revelations chapter 5 and verse 9. <clears throat> chapter 5 and verse 9. Because the same blood that covers us will cover them. The same blood that heals us, the same blood that somehow affects us will affect them. And I don't think God will hold back his word, but his word will be established even during the time of tribulation. So he says in Revelation chapter 5 and in verse 9, let me get these eyes focused here. And they sung a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain, and with your blood, with your blood, you purchased men for God. From every tribe, language, and people, and nation. With the blood of Jesus Christ, these saints have been purchased. They belong to God. They come under the divine protection of God. Not the wrath of God, but the divine protection of God. Now, if we just say that uh, the protection is only for the church age, then I think we're missing the mark. Uh, God is protecting his saints the same way he did in the Old Testament, New Testament, 
and now in the time of tribulation. God protects his people. That does not say his people don't suffer. That does not say his people may not be killed. But somehow God gives those people extraordinary strength. Many of them lived through those circumstances, those times. And I'm trying to get my own mind around it also. That somehow God undertakes on behalf of the saints. Okay, what age period we want to put it in? It is God who undertakes. And it's God who works. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He says you've been purchased by this blood. For what purpose? For God. They have been saved. They have been purchased by the same blood, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the same purpose, for God in the period in which they're living during the tribulation. Now, run over with me again to Revelations chapter 12. I want you to go to verse 17 with me. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 17. Listen to what he says. And again, I I believe God's promises. And that there are those promises that were strictly in the Old Testament, strictly for the Jew. But there were also promises that were, I think, is universal. When God says to Israel, he'll never leave them nor forsake them, in a sense, that that's universal because we find it also in the New Testament that God's promise is he'll never leave them nor forsake them. And I believe that a lot of things that were said in the book of Psalms are universal. A lot of things in the book of Proverbs are universal. Uh, there are a lot of things that are said in Ecclesiastes that is universal. They affect all of us. And I understand that some will say, well, any Old Testament is just Old Testament. It has nothing to do with New Testament. Well, if we go that far, should we say what happens in the Gospels have nothing to do with the epistles? And none of the epistles have anything to do with Revelation. But Revelation ties very much so, more so, to books of the Old Testament than they do with the New Testament. So with Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Habakkuk, all those Old Testaments that we also find in the book of Revelation. Some quote from them, something that was said at that time is there. But in that verse 17 of chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, we want to look at and look what it says here. It says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman, the woman here is Israel, and went out to make war against the rest of her offsprings. So the dragon is making war against who? The believers. Those who believe during the time of tribulation who are the offsprings of the child that was born Jewish, Jesus Christ, born as an Israeli, Jesus. And through Israel, through the Jews, came Christ. And it says, And then the dragon was enraged at the woman, Israel, or the Jews, and went off to make war against the rest of her offsprings. Well, who are those offsprings? Even today, if you are a believer, you are considered an offspring. You are a child of Abraham, the father of faith. We are those individuals. There is also, he's talking about as offsprings, but when you get into tribulation, 
those saints there are also offsprings. They are the children of Abraham, the father of faith. They have been grafted in, whether they be Gentile or some other nationality. And in Revelations, you hear that it would be of many different languages and nations and ethnic groups. We've been grafted in. And we are offsprings. Those who obey God's commandment. Now, you have to ask, do those saints of that day, in that day, in that hour, who are they believing? Are they believing the false prophet? Or are they believing the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they believing the word of God? Are they believing the Holy Spirit? And I believe that they are holding on. They are the ones that we see who continues to believe in Jesus Christ. And they have the strength that the Holy Spirit gives them to undertake at that time, whatever it is, that they have to endure. They endure it, not by the power of the flesh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We endure today as his offsprings by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the saints of that time in tribulation will also have the same Holy Spirit that we have today who will give them the ability to endure the plagues and anything else that comes along. Because greater is he that is in them than the one who is in the world ruling. But listen to what he says here, because I think it will speak to us too. He says, boy, against the rest of the offsprings. Now he identifies them, but I want you to really look at how he identifies them. Those who obey God's command. The people, those saints, are identified as those who obey God's command during this period. And we're finding this right in the book of Revelations chapter 12. That they are obeying God's commands. They have God's word. They have the Holy Spirit empowering them. Yes, they even have the two witnesses. They have the 144,000 witnessing. They have others. And they see the persecution that is taking place. And they're hearing all the abominable things against our holy and righteous and just God. And yet, the scripture says, those who obey God's command, even with all the threat, all the terror, all the things that are coming against them, they obey God. They obey God, even unto death, which becomes their testimony. They obey God. When you come back up in chapter 12, go into uh, verse 11. He says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How? By the blood of the Lamb. How were they redeemed? By the blood of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? For God. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their what? Testimony. What was their testimony? The commands of God. What God has given unto them to say, to do, whatever that ministry may have been, their stands. Because the Lord says, after you've done all else, just stand. And they're standing. They're standing in obedience to God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. They're holding to the testimony of Jesus. Are you holding to that? 
Are you holding to the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Are you being obedient to his commands? Are you following what he's asked you to do? And it says, boy, those who obey God's commands. He identifies his people again. Those who follow his commands. Are you one of his? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my what? My commands. Are we doing that? I have to talk to myself on, on this subject also. Am I doing that to the fullest? Am I being obedient to the fullest? And I'll be the first to say, I'm falling on some. But I thank God for his forgiveness. And I pray that you would even search yourself and ask, are you really obedient to God? Are you really obedient? And are you really standing firm, holding on to the testimony of Jesus? Go over to chapter 14, Revelation 14. And uh, let's pick up at verse 12 there. Because, again, he's sharing here something that is taking place, but the people have been promised to come out from her that these plagues would not affect them to a degree that I believe that it would affect the unbeliever. So he says in this verse 12, this calls for patience and endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Now, I want to pick out three things here. One, this calls for patience. Godly patience. That when you are enduring and you're going through something and, and something's overtaking you, and yes, you don't like what you're going through, do you have the patience to wait on God to act? The psalmist says in hundred and in the 119th song, I, I forget exactly which verse, Lord, it's time for you to act. And God will not act until his time. Until his time. In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son. In the fullness of time. God has his timetable that is different than ours. And he acts at the proper time, which will glorify him. Yes, people will die. Yes, people will go through some of the plagues and so forth. But I do not believe they will go through in the same manner as the unbeliever because we are not a people without hope, but that our hope is in Jesus Christ. And sometime, some, somehow he answers that. Somehow he blesses us. And I believe that just like he keeps people today who live in some of these terrible places that hate the name of Jesus, he will keep people then. He will keep them. And he, he goes on, he says, a patience, because the patience is going to do what? Give them endurance. They're going to be able to press on. They're going to be able to stay with it. They're not going to renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to keep ministering. They're going to keep praising him. They're going to keep witnessing. They're going to keep sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, on the part of the saints. Again, he calls them saints. Saints. That's a Christian term. Saints. People of God. We are all saints. We don't have to wait for somebody to coronate us or whatever. If you are born again and you are a servant of God, you are a saint. And he says, boy, on the part of the saints, but listen to this again now, who obey God's commands and remains faithful to Jesus, who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus, that somehow this God who is greater in me than he that is in the world, even at that time, somehow, 
He ministers to us that we can endure and we can go through whatever is taking place because we understand it's not so much the will of Satan as it is the will of our God that these things take place and that God somehow is going to act on our behalf. I don't know how. I can't explain that. Uh, we could use examples coming up out of Egypt. We could use the uh, the example of the Jews in Goshen and, and what happened to the rest of Egypt. Uh, we can use the example of Rahab, how he uh, kept Rahab. Uh, we could use the example of how the children going through the Red Sea, but then the army was destroyed from Egypt. Uh, there are other examples you can use. You can use Lot being bought out of Sodom, but yet you see Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. Even though she was out of Sodom, her heart was not. And if our heart is not right, and I think this is the key part here, if your heart is not right, two things are going to fail. And two things will fail these people. Two things will fail us today. If our heart is not right with God, the obeying or the obedience to God's commands will not be there, number one. Number two, if your heart is not right with God, you will not remain faithful to Jesus. You can give all the lip service you want, but... The Lord says, Matthew 7, your heart is far from me. And I believe today there's a lot of people with lip service, but the heart is far from them. And I believe these people in the time of tribulation, their heart is right on Jesus Christ. Steadfast, unmovable, is fixed on Jesus. And they then are called the saints they obey God rather than the false prophet. And they remain faithful to Jesus, not to some image. Over to Revelations 19, chapter 10. And again, most of these are found right here in Revelation. Revelation 19, 10. And <clears throat> I believe that they are speaking to the saints of that time, to the people of that time. And John has written it for us because we don't know exactly when this time is going to start. But those who are in the word will have this information. And the Holy Spirit can bring it back to their mind. We just don't know the exact time period when things are going to start and when they're going to end. We try to do it, but Jesus has made it very clear. No man knoweth the hour nor the day, but only God, only his Father in heaven. So in 1910, he says, At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. And the one who's falling down is John. John is falling down before an angel and the angel says to John, don't do that. There's only one who is worthy to be worshipped. There's only one who is worthy to fall down at his feet. And that's Jesus. Everything else is nothing but an idol. And he says, at this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant. Now, the angel here doesn't put himself as a fellow believer. Why? He's, he's been with Jesus ever since he's been created, in a sense. He knows who Jesus really is. But he does classify himself as a servant. Not a believer, but a servant. And that's what may separate sometimes the angels and the human beings. The human beings must believe and serve. 
the angels, they serve. They serve or they don't serve. Not an issue about believing. Why? They see him with his with their own eyes. They know who Jesus is. They know by a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God Almighty. They know. And he says, At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Who hold what? To the testimony of Jesus. And the saints of that day is doing what? They're holding to the testimony of Jesus even unto death. They hold to the testimony of Jesus. And they worship God. Not the image. They worship God, the living God, not the image. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That Holy Spirit who is within them is declaring the truth of who Jesus is even in that day, in that time. Now, one more over here in Revelations in 20 and verse 4. <clears throat> Again, boy, that none of these plagues will affect you. Uh, the sins of Babylon will not affect you. That you come out from them. The Lord is pleading with the people of that time. Come out from Babylon. Come out. It's a continuous calling. And we see that all the way through scripture. God is always calling his people out. And in verse 4 in chapter 20. Listen to what it said here. says here. I saw thrones over which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. What is he letting us know? Even though there were those who were faithful. Those who held to the testimony of Jesus Christ. There are those that God did not intervene for. Does that mean that God didn't love them as much as he loved others? No. They had finished the work that God would have them to do. And God called them home, even if it's at the cost of being beheaded. Had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus. They would not change their testimony. And they died loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to die loving the Lord? You may not die being beheaded. You may not die by somebody killing you for the name of Jesus Christ. But are you going to die with the testimony of Jesus Christ on your lips to your loved ones? To anyone that is in that room with you or next to you and you have the conscience to remind them that you're going home to your father and that any of those who would want to see you must come through Jesus Christ. Testimony of Jesus Christ even unto death you can share the message of Christ. And he says who and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and be, and because of the word of what? The word of God. They held to that word of God. They would not be moved from it. They would not be removed from it. And yes, life was taken. But the plagues may not have hindered them as much or had the same effect that it may have had on the unbeliever. But their life was taken because of the testimony, not because of the plagues, not because of any of the other things that were put upon the people. They lost their life because of their testimony and their love for the Lord Jesus Christ, 
not because of their sin, not because of what God was putting on them, the other people, the plagues, but they lost their life because of their testimony for Jesus. Are you with me on that? They didn't die because of plagues, according to this. They died because of their testimony and their stand for the word of God and for the love of Jesus. They lost their life. Now, <clears throat> there's another section I think sometimes we leave out of. <clears throat> and it's so important to catch it. You come out because of, there's a name that is written. Written in the book of life. I believe you be come more confident when you're really confident that your name has been written in the word of God, in the book of life. When your name has been written in the book of life, you have confidence. And it comes from God. And we need to understand that these saints, I believe, in Revelation, that their name also is written in the book of life. Now, let's go back to maybe first time we ever hear about the book of life. Go to Exodus 32-32 because Moses is pleading <clears throat> and one of the biggest arguments sometimes that come up for people is everybody's name in there and then those are blotted out who wind up not being there at the end or exactly what takes place. Uh, I, I can't tell you about when does the name go in. Does the name go in the moment you're saved? Does the name go in before the beginning of time because God knows everyone who's ever going to be saved? Um, I don't know. What I do know is that it tells us those who belong to God, those who are saved, their names are written in the book of life. Old Testament, New Testament, tribulation time, that the name is written in the book of life. So in Exodus 32, 32, <clears throat> He says, But now please forgive their sins. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And Moses is talking to God and Israel has sinned and God is going to destroy some of the people and Moses is interceding for the people. Leaders ought to take a good look at this. Because as leaders, we intercede for the people of God. We pray for the people of God. And Moses is saying, why? But now please forgive their sins. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Isn't that what Paul is saying? That it was possible for Israel to be saved that he himself would go to hell in a sense. And Moses is saying something very similar, same thing basically. Blot me out of the book of life. Blot me out of the book that you have written. And the names are there. But leave their names when you believe your name is in this book that God keeps, I believe it gives you extraordinary strength to stand because you have no doubt that you're saved and that your name has really been written in the book. And I believe those saints during the tribulation period recognize that their name 
has been written in the book and that they belong to God. What amazing, amazing understanding when one understands that. That with God, your name is there. Now, the whole thing is, again, having the confidence of that. That your name is in that book. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you know if your name is in that book? Have you really made it where you feel comfortable that your name is written in the book of life because you have given your life to Jesus Christ? Go to Luke chapter 10 and come on down into verse 20. And when the 72 who went out to do ministry as Jesus assigned them to go forth, when they came back, they were talking about all the things that they have done and the things they have accomplished. And they were all excited about the things that they've seen take place. But Jesus tells them, really all those things really have no deep meaning compared to this one thing. And he simply says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Which is greater? My name is written in heaven. My name is written. Not that demons obeyed me and people were healed. No. Rejoice over this. That your name is written in heaven. When you're confident that your name is written in the book of life. Your name is written in heaven. Life here becomes less meaningful. Because life is all about Jesus Christ. Life is about you serving a living God. And you are rejoicing because you know where you're going. You're on your way home. And you're rejoicing that your name is written in heaven. And I believe those saints knew that in the tribulation time. That their names were written in the book of life. Now, go over to Philippians 4.3. <clears throat> Philippians 4 and verse 3. He says, get these eyes focused again. I know I got my glasses hanging down here, but sometimes the bifocals get more in the way than they help. Because if my head go up and down, it goes all over the page. He says, <clears throat> in Philippians 4, verse 3, he says, Yes, <clears throat> and I ask you loyal yoke fellows, help these women who have contended at the side in the cause of the gospel along with Clemens and the rest of my fellow workers. Now listen to what Paul describes here. Whose names are in the book of life. Whose names are in the book of life. Not whose names might be in the book of life, but whose names are in the book of life. Boy, that should give you confidence. Your name is written in the book of life. And God knows you. Your beginning, your ending, and when you're going to see him face to face. And he says, boy, help these women. Well, the question you have to ask is, if these women are really serving the Lord Jesus Christ, what help do they need? No, we still need help. We're still weak vessels. We're still servants. We're still going to die. We're still going to have problems of life. And whatever those afflictions may be, we can still say, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. 
And we can believe that somehow God intervenes on our behalf. Does he lesser the pain? Maybe so. Does he give us the strength to go through the pain? Maybe so. Does he allow us to see him like he permitted Stephen to look up while he was being stoned and have somehow subconsciously transferred his consciousness to heaven rather than what was happening on earth, that Stephen could even pray that God would forgive them for what they were doing. We serve an awesome God, but he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the God that the saints are going to be serving during the time of tribulation. And their names are written in the book of life. Their names are written in the book of life. Now go to Revelations chapter 3. Get back. We're right back in Revelations. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 3. And we want to look at this a little closer because, again, it speaks of it. And we need to understand that it's God's doing. Is God working? In Revelations 3, 5, he says, <clears throat> He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. Again, we read about blotting, but the only other place we read about blotting was the book of who? It was back with Moses. This is the only other time we read about the word blot out. Back with Moses, same books. I will never blot out his name from the book of what? The book of life. And those saints, in a sense, were guaranteed. They had been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And they knew the word of God. And they held to God's commands and to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew their names were written in the book of life. Are you sure your name is there? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Is he your God? Are you one who today is standing for Jesus no matter what's going on in your life? No matter what you're called, what people might think about you, no matter if you got a high position or a low position, you have a testimony for Jesus Christ. And are you standing? Revelations 13.8 <clears throat> Revelations 13.8 Now we're on past now the chapter 3 and we're over here in chapter 13 of Revelation, and catch verse 8 here. He says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Now, now hang on here. God wants you to really catch this verse. Give attention to this verse. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. It says, All inhabitants, a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people that he calls all the people will worship the beast. Now, catch this exception. All whose names have not been written in the book of life. So it's not all the people because there are those whose names have already been what? Written in the book of life that are still what? Still living and they're holding to what? To the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're holding to the word of God. They may die for that word of God. They may die for the testimony of Jesus Christ. But the scripture is telling us their name has already been written in the book of life and they're holding onto Jesus. To the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
He says, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. They what? They belong to who? To the Lamb. They belong to the Lord Jesus Christ in whom he has shed his precious blood for. Revelations 21 and verse 27. 2127. He says, uh, uh, Nothing impure will ever enter it or enter into heaven. Nothing impure will ever enter into heaven. Nor will anyone who does not, who does what is shameful or deceitful. Look at the clarification here now. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's going to enter into heaven? Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Boy, that will, when you are assured by the Holy Spirit that your name is written in the book of life, you're going to be able to stand. You're going to be able to endure. Because the one who is greater in you than he that is in this world gives you the strength to endure, the patience, knowing that one day you can truly say, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Whether it be by natural death or whether it be by martyrdom, because you were not renounce the Lord Jesus Christ but that you are going to live for him because you named the name of Christ yes some terrible things can happen to people in this world today those who live in China those who live in Arab lands those who live in some parts of Africa because they hold to the name of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus Christ some terrible things happens to them. But somehow God is able to sustain and keep them until he says, come up here. Because we forget death and life is in the hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not in the hands of man, but in the hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to close out with Daniel <clears throat> because Daniel makes a statement that is unique and I don't think sometimes we've paid very much attention to it. So starting in verse 1 to verse 4 in Daniel chapter 12 he says at that time Michael the Great prince who protects your people will arise. Who, who's in charge of protecting God's people? Boy, Michael. Now you can say, well, that's just for Israel. Michael may have the same job. He's still the one who protects. The great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress. Now, he's talking about a time of distress. Now, I think Daniel's talking about the times of tribulation, time of Jacob's trouble, however you want to call it. He says, such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. He says, the troubles that we're going to see at that point, or those people are going to see, have never been on earth before. So that helps us to identify the time in which Daniel is speaking of. And then he goes on, he says, But at that time, your people everywhere whose name is found written in the book. Boy, 
your name is found where? Written in the book. Boy, that just brings joy to my heart. That 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 just allows all. Oh, that's such a blessing to know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My name is there. Oh, I'm not worthy that my name would be there. There's a lot of places. I'll tell you, I'm not worthy to have my name mentioned. But only by God's grace. Only by God's mercy. Only by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is it written. He says, now catch these words. Whose names is found written in the book will be delivered. How? I don't know. Is death sometime a way of delivering? Could be. He says, a multitude who sleep in the dust of the earth will awaken. Boy, resurrection. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Some of us are going to be resurrected for heaven. Some are going to be what? Resurrected to only be thrown back into the lake of fire, into hell. Those who are wise will shine. Boy. What does it take to shine? Holding to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Holding to God's word. Obeying his commandments. And you'll shine. You'll shine. If you hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And if you hold to his word. And you obey his word. You'll shine. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. Can you imagine those saints of old and those saints in the book of Tribulation? They shined like a bright star. They shined like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal. Now, the wisdom that's here is amazing. He says to Daniel, close up. This book, this thing you're writing on, close it up now and seal it. But catch the words that follow. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Now catch what these final words says. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. We're trying to discover more and more and we're increasing our knowledge trying to understand this end times and this thing called tribulation. We're searching. We're searching. But as we continue the search, I believe God somehow comforts our hearts. Somehow ministers to us as we continue this search for knowledge and understanding of this end times. God is wonderful. God is great. There are no words to describe our God. And to just simply say, I love him, boy, those words, I love him. How do we really mean it? Do we love the testimony of Jesus Christ? Do you love his word?
Do you love him? I pray that you do. And I pray that you will search it out consciously about your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, God bless you and may God keep you and hope I didn't confuse any hearts that may already be confused, but I hope we have a little understanding about when God says that he's able to keep us from those plagues. I believe this is how understanding greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Number two, understanding. I've been purchased with the blood of Christ for God. For God. I've been purchased by the blood of Christ. And thirdly, my name is written in the book of life. Amen. Well, God bless you and may God keep you. Hold on to that eternal testimony of Christ. Don't budge one inch for anyone. Is Jesus Christ is our way home to heaven. God bless you. God keep you. See you next week. Bye.